What's going on, buddy? To the curve here. It's curving the bullet. And we're giving a review by Deep Bluzz, Deep underscore Bluzz at Live Journal. Uh, if you go to deep hyphen com, he's giving his review of Stephen King's Insomnia, Aura's Balloon Sacks. All you need to know to make it real is Steve, and that is Stephen King. This is his review. He says, a little bit more from what I've gotten out of Stephen King's Insomnia. He's still not quite done with this. The audiobook is unabridged. And since my commute dropped, he's talking about his drive. That doesn't really matter. Uh, today I want to talk about auras. I've always been fascinated with the idea of auras. It just makes too much scientific sense to be ignored completely. Quantum physics and all that. Every one part of one big whole. As so many holy men have told us all along, if we are made up of tiny balls of energy, there is no reason to expect that on some level, in some way, they don't radiate something. Why not Aura? Steve, he won't mind me calling him Steve, he probably won't even read this, has a magic way of taking something that, in the words and worlds of wacko birds, seems ridiculous, and not only making you believe it's real, but that it's obviously real. Ralph and Lois, the unlikely insomniac heroes of this novel, see auras and balloon sacks rising up and around everything, but in particular associated with other living beings. The aura changed color with emotion, health, interaction, all things we already know to cause chemical changes in our bodies. And so, when he, when they, when he tells me these two can see auras, I believe them. And that's the magic of this novel. That's the magic of his writing in general. The matter-of-fact way that the absolutely not matter-of-fact is presented is the key. While there is no real difference between the term suspicion of disbelief when applied to Steve's writing and when, a, and when applied to that of any other writer is a general sense there is a difference. The difference is quite simple. You don't notice he's doing it. It's not a voluntary suspicion of disbelief, but a what if he's writing the truth kind of thing. What if he sees the balloons himself? What if he's actually walked in the desert with Roland, the Dark Tower? There are other worlds than these. He's fond of reminding us, and again, it's hard to deny the probability of that. It's equally hard on our own, on your own to apply any level of belief to it either. You need Steve for that. Anyway, I'm thinking about colors and auras, imagining what color people would be during certain interactions. It's interesting and intriguing on deep levels. It also seems as if staring at someone long enough should make it real. If not, well, we've still got Steve. So this is again, this is a review on um, on in, uh, Insomnia, written by Stephen King. And if, if you really, if you really never read um, uh, The Dark Tower, this will be a little confusing on some levels uh, when you run into when they mention the Crimson King and whatnot. But it really does eventually come out, and you really, uh, I'm I'm about halfway through this book, and I. I've heard so many negative reviews and then I read this and I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I, what I got to, what I researched to find this was I wanted to know what the balloon sacks were and I was uh, reading about auras that Ralph and Lois see 
Um, so very, very awesome book. Um, Ralph Roberts is having trouble sleeping after the loss of his wife, Carolyn. Uh, he starts having some nightmares, but he in turn becomes an insomniac. Uh, can't sleep. Was going to a doctor. Going to go to a doctor. Changes his mind. Doesn't go. Um, and then he starts seeing the aura around people after his fight with Ed Deepenu. Um, another another character uh, in this book. Um, but Ed brings up uh, the Centurions, which is head full of steam, dark tower, uh, especially when he talks about uh, the Crimson King. Uh, so that that is something that I think the people should read. The huge series, uh, seven books plus of the Dark Tower before jumping into Insomnia. But if you do read Insomnia, please don't think it's boring. It's, it really is a good book. You just have to understand uh, what Stephen Steve is actually uh, accomplishing when he's when he's talking about different stuff. I'm still learning, and it it does seem kind of boring at times, but uh, it it isn't too bad. Let me let me go back to where I am. I want to read where I was, where he was talking about because he was talking and he was, Ralph went upstairs, dumped the can of beans yeah here we go, dumped the can of beans into one pot and a couple of the hot dogs into another and walked impatiently back and forth through the flat snapping his fingers, occasionally running his fingers through his hair as he waited for his impromptu bachelor supper to cook, the bone deep weariness which had hung on him like invisible weights ever since midsummer was for the time being at least entirely gone he felt filled with magic antic energy absolutely stuffed with it he supposed this is why people like benzodrine and cocaine only he had an idea that this was a much better high that when it departed it would not leave him feeling plundered and mistreated more used but than user ralph roberts unaware that his that the hair his fingers were combing through had grown thicker and that threads of black were visible. So he's just talking about his hair. He's singing an old rock song. Hey, pretty baby, you can sit down. You got a slop, bop, slip, slop, flip, top all about. So, you know, he, he's having a good time. He's in a good mood. Him and Lois, you know, she gave him a kiss. And, you know, they're, they're buddy buddies, kind of maybe a little more, obviously. Uh, the beans were bubbling in the pot and the hot dog boiling in there's only it took only it looked to Ralph almost like they were dancing in there doing the Bristol stomp to the old Dobbles tune still singing at the top of his lungs when you hear the hippie with the backbeat you can sit down Ralph cut the hot dogs into beans dumped in, in half a pint of ketchup added some chili sauce then stirred into everything vigorously together and headed for the door he carried his supper till till the pot in uh, oh, still in the pot in one hand. He ran down the stairs as nimbly as a kid who's running late on the first day of school. He hooked a baggy old cardigan sweater, McGovern's, that's his neighbor or his roommate, whatever. Uh, but what the hell? Out of the front hall closet and then went, went out onto the porch. The oars were gone, but Ralph wasn't dismayed. For the time being, he was more interested in the smell of food. He couldn't remember the last time he'd felt as flat-out hungry as he did at this moment. He sat on the top step with his long thighs and bony knees sticking out of either side of him, looking decidedly Ichabod Cranish, and began to eat. 
The first few bites burned his lips and tongue, but instead of being deterred, Ralph ate faster, almost gobbling. He paused with half the pot of beans and Franks consumed. The animal in his stomach hadn't gone back to sleep, not yet, but it had been pacified a bit. Ralph belched unselfconsciously and looked out at Harris Avenue with a feeling of contentment he hadn't known in years. Under the current circumstances, that feeling made no sense at all, but that didn't change in the slightest. When was the last time he had felt this good? Maybe not since the morning he'd awakened in that barn somewhere between Mary Main and Poughkeepsie, New York. Amazed by the conflicting rays of light, thousands of them it had seemed, which crisscrossed the warm, sweet-smelling place where he lay. Or maybe never. Yes, or maybe never. He spied Mrs. I think I, maybe I didn't see it. Maybe it was on the back before he, yeah, it was before he came in. Uh, let's go before he walked through the beans. Let's go past the beans. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, this is kind of give you an, an idea of what he's seeing when he's, when he's seeing the auras. I'll start in the middle. He saw a young man, no more than 20, bopping along the other side of the street toward the Red Apple, little cafe by where he lives. He was, he was the picture of health in his faded jeans and sleeveless Celtics jersey, but Ralph could see a death bag clinging to him like an oil slick and a balloon string rising from the crown of his head that looked like a decaying drape pull in a haunted house. So the balloons in the story... I think give that seems to be like your health like how your overall health is because in the story it talks about the dog and how one of the weird guys that uh, only Lo uh, Lois and Ralph can see cut the string of the dog and the dog starts sulking and acting sick but ran off it's like it it's on its last leg I, that's what it, why I was searching for all all this of what what those balloons are, what they exactly mean. I get the auras, but I don't understand the balloons. Uh, let's see where we at here. Right up, he was in the picture of health. Uh, looked like a decaying drape pole in a haunted house. He saw no little bald doctors. That's a long story. It's in the beginning, middle, about the quarter way in. But shortly after 5.30, he observed a startling shaft of purple light erupt from a manhole cover in the middle of Harris Avenue. It rose into the sky like a special effect in a Cecil B. DeMille Bible epic for perhaps three minutes, then simply winked out. He also saw a huge bird that looked like a prehistoric prehistoric hawk go floating between the chimneys of the old dairy building and the corner on Howard Street, and alternating red and blue thermals twisting over Strawford Park in long, lazy ribbons. When soccer practice at Fairmont Grammar let out at quarter to six, a dozen or so kids came swarming into a parking lot of the Red Apple, where they would buy a ton of pre-supper pre candy and bales of trading cards, football cards by this time of year, Ralph supposed. Two of them stopped to argue about something, and their auras, one green and the other a vibrant shade of burnt orange, intensified, drew in, and began 
to gleam with rising spirals of scarlet thread. Look out! Ralph shouted mentally at the boy within the orange envelope of light. Just a moment before, Green Boy dropped his school, box, school books and socked the other one in the mouth. The two of them grappled, spun around in a clumsy, aggressive dance, then tumbled to the sidewalk. A little circle of yelling, cheering kids formed around them. A purplish-red dome, like a thunderhead, began to build up, around, and above the fight. Ralph found this shape, which was circulating in a slow, counterclockwise movement, both terrible and beautiful, and he wondered what the aura above a full-scale military battle would look like. He decided that was a question to which he didn't really want to answer. Just as Orange Boy climbed on top of Green Boy and then began to pummel him in earnest, Sue came out of the store and hollered at them to quit fighting in the, in the damn parking lot. Orange Boy dismounted reluctantly. The combatants rose to their feet, looking at each other warily. Then Green Boy, trying to appear nonchalant, turned and went into the store. Only his quick glance back over his shoulder to make sure his opponent was not pursuing spoiled, spoiled the effect. The spectators were either, followed, either following Green Boy into the store for their post-practice supplies or clustered around Orange Boy, congratulating him. Above them, unseen, above them, unseen, that virulent, virulent red-purple toadstool was breaking up like a cloud bank before a strong wind. Pieces of it tattered, unraveling, and disappeared. The street is a carnival of energy, Ralph thought. The juice thrown off by those two boys during the 90 seconds they were mixing it up looked like enough to light dairy for a week. And if a person would tap the energy the watchers generated, the energy inside that mushroom cloud, you could probably light the whole state of Maine for a month. Could you imagine what it would be like to enter the world of auras in Times Square at two minutes to midnight on New Year's Eve? He couldn't and didn't want to. He suspected he had, a, he had glimpsed the leading edge of a force so huge and so vital that it made all the nuclear weapons created since 1945 seem about as powerful as a children's cap pistol fired into an empty peach can. Enough force to destroy the universe, perhaps, or to create a new one. So, that, is, uh, that gives an, a, a direct idea of, of what... Um, let me try to find where I'm at now. <laughs> yep, there we go. Uh, of what insomnia is and what the R's are. It, it is so fascinating. And I hope you really get the time to stop and uh, take a read of this. Stephen King Insomnia, really good book. You can find it on Play Store and Kindle and uh, an audio book somewhere. Check it out. It's worth reading.